0: When will we stop rallying on the same old information? When will we stop being so greedy, start being a little more cautious? It's hard to tell because we keep getting such a good backdrop. The kind of backdrop that encourages investors to keep taking risks Maybe too much risk. Even with today's pullback, Dow slipping 133 points, S&P backsliding 0.29%, NASDAQ losing 0.27%, the markets had a remarkable run this week. And what a week. We almost went to war, and then we didn't go to war. We almost didn't get a trade deal, and now we know it's coming next Wednesday. Then this morning, we were worried that the Labor Department's non-farm payroll report might come in too hot if employment's too strong. That might wake up the Fed and force them to start publicly mouthing off about inflation. Uh, We got a bunch of Fed governors speaking next week, and that could have gotten real ugly. But what actually did we get? Well, how about a Goldilocks jobs number? One that was not too hot, one that was not too cold. You get that. Hey, I've got to tell you, uh, we created uh, good jobs, but we had... Sub-3% wage gains, so the Fed should not be worried. It could have been a lot worse, especially uh, since some of the shortfall related to a company specific problems at Boeing, which just now said that the uh, former CEO is not going to get severance. All right, the labor report was still one more reason to buy stocks here, and that's what happened this morning. Before even the most raging bulls whew, either ran out of capital or just got bored with endlessly buying the same old stuff or nothing new, and that caused the decline. Now, look, get this, though. The early spurt briefly allowed us to cross Dow 29,000. I know, not an important round number. I didn't see many Dow 29,000 hats on the floor of the exchange, although there were a couple. But it hammered home to people that this rally is increasingly about momentum, about movement, not about fundamentals. So I'm actually glad we got a pullback today, if only because it could help buffer the market against potentially sharper declines if the earnings start to disappoint that we hear next week. I hate it when stocks run going into earnings season. Any week this year will actually give the bulls a better setup. But next week is indeed when the rubber hits the road. Earnings season gets going, and we're going to find out whether the fundamentals can actually justify this market's magnificent move higher. With that in mind, what's in our game plan for this crucial first week first week that really matters in 2020 okay the week starts off with the fireworks of the JP Morgan healthcare conference and this is something that of course we're going to it's the biggest shindig in the industry remember this conference is where Bristol Myers told us it was acquiring Celgene last year this time I'm expecting some startling announcements and new drugs that I'm going out there myself to find out about. I'll be reporting on it live from San Francisco. We are going to be talking once again to Dr. Giovanni Caffario. He's the CEO of Bristol Myers. Wow, that stock has moved since he bought uh, Celgene. Hey, Apple Emma Walmsley. She's the CEO of GlaxoSmithKline. See what these two incredibly important drug companies are up to. Tuesday, we hear from JP Morgan itself, the uh, earnings for the bank. And this stock's been on a tear for months. I bet the numbers will be good. But will they be good enough to justify this move? I think it's incredibly difficult for any company to live up to such lofty expectations at this point, even a company as well-run as JP Morgan. The bar is lower for Wells Fargo and Citigroup, which will also report on Tuesday. I can't wait to hear what Charlie Sharp, he's the new CEO of Wells Fargo, has to say about how he's reinventing the business. I want to know if Citi will keep buying back stock now that it's had such a huge run. Is the stock too high for Michael Corbett, CEO, to continue to buy back 8% of the company? Now, speaking of inflated prices, we get results from Goldman Sachs on Wednesday. And look, I'm a big believer in the company that I worked for at one point in my career. I don't expect to hear anything so amazing that will propel the stock higher, though. At least not yet. Goldman is a major analyst at the end of the month. That might do the trick. We own this one from my travel trust, along with Citi and JP Morgan. Three positions we've had for ages. And I have to admit, I'm a little antsy about the results here. But that's only because the stocks have had such magnificent moves. I don't know if anything can live up to the expectations. Bank of America is under the same Glamour reports. The company's been putting up consistently good number after consistently good number. And its stock is finally being rewarded. Again, though, worried about profit-taking. Remember, this is a continuing theme. You can hear the theme from me. I'm trying to be sure you get it. We also hear from United Health Group, UNH, this stock's been a scorcher. Ever since Senator Elizabeth Warren backed away from her more aggressive position on Medicare for All, which would have effectively put UNH out of business. No wonder it was in the low 200s. Uh, All of the worries about the Democratic primaries obscured the incredible success of this company. When you see the numbers, I'm thinking that you will get a positive, beat and race scenario for the year 2020. Now, aside from earnings, the big event next week is the signing of the Phase 1 trade deal with China on Wednesday. Once it goes into effect, uh, I believe President Trump will roll back some tariffs in exchange for China making some major purchases of American-made goods. Uh, you know I think they're about to buy a huge quantity of pork. Maybe Tyson Foods will finally start getting its due. The stock at last had a nice move today. Thursday ends the big bank numbers, and that's with Morgan Stanley. Now, since this last report, this went off... (laughs) Because, look, I mean, these report and then this report. People don't even think about this one. By the time, it's just an afterthought. I wish, if they were to report here, maybe I'll to speak to James Gorman about it. I think it would do a lot better. It isn't fair. Morgan does a fabulous job. Sure, the stock hit a 52-week high today, but I still think it sells for ridiculously cheap 10 times earnings. This is an incredibly well-run bank. I think you can go higher, and if the stock sells off after the other bank's report, so let's say these guys aren't that good, these guys aren't that good, so this stock is down, I think you want to buy some that would be the best trade off of next week. We also hear from PPG, they're on all the time, right? Especially Chemical Maker. Lately, the chemical stocks have been roaring as they've been able to put through some price increases. Polyvinyl chloride just had a price increase this week. PPG will give us the pulse of the group, it's been a juggernaut since October, although the stock has cooled of late. I bet they tell us a fine story. After the close, one of the great bellwethers reports I'm talking about CSX and that is the big railroad. All aboard! Uh, these guys, honestly, I don't know how, they, how their business is doing. It's difficult to tell. The rails have taken off, though, ever since the Fed started cutting interest rates. And it's been a pretty amazing move as these companies aren't actually seeing a big uptick in business. But there's been a big uptick in earnings because they've been making more money off of each train thanks to something called precision railroading. CSX has been a leader in the process, so I think it will please Wall Street when it reports. Friday, uh, someone may not please Wall Street reports Slumber Jay. SLB, also known as Slob, the oil service Titan. Uh, we need a NABAF here. Uh, not as bad as feared, NABAF. Uh, and then a stock and rally. The problem is, I just don't know if it's possible to get anything positive out of an oil service company in this environment, even with the price of crude up substantially over the past week. say it gives you a 5% yield, though. I just want to be sure that management's committed to it and not worried about its size. Put it all together, next week could be make or break for this market after this run because the average is, well, you know what? I think they're too lofty. Give them what we're going to see. I've spent all week talking about complacency, but also resilience. I'm hoping today's pullback will reduce the complacency quotient, but there's still too much of it. Bottom line, ever since we resolved the Iran Iran situation, this market's gotten too gleeful for my taste. So my suggestion is tread carefully going into earnings season. We've tried to take something off the table every day for my travel trust. I think you should do the same because this is a good moment for profit-taking. Let's go to Richard in New York. Richard!
2: Richard! Booyah, Sir James. This is Richard from Jamestown, New York. Fantastic! Notably the, the,
0: the hometown of Lucy Ball in the National Comedy Museum. I had no idea. She lived next door to me at one point in the uh, 90s. Wow. I mean, she's just amazing. Amazing person in the 80s. It was 80, let's see, 84. She lived next door to me.
2: Wow, she's a funny lady. She was amazing. Anyway, uh,
0: (laughs) when I say longtime, big-time fan, you know, about 10 years ago when I started paying attention to you every single day, uh, it led to my financial, it turned my financial life around. Yes. This led me to a rock-solid retirement that I thought would never be possible. I think that's So I thank you very very much. Thank you. Uh, I love dividend stocks, and uh, I know this is a bit speculative, as I have my top stocks well covered. But tell me about uh, E.T., sir. Um, Look, they have the cash flow to maintain that dividend. But do they have the management smarts to grow the business? And the answer is they just keep thinking the only way to grow is to buy. So I am not going to recommend uh, Kelsey Warren and E.T. I'm sorry. I'm a more conservative guy. I can do E.P.D., but I can't do that one. But great. And thank you for those kind comments about the show. Let's go to Lewis in California. Lewis. Mr. Kramer. Yeah. A big booyah, a big booyah from sunny Los Angeles there. Oh, I love L.A. What's going on?
3: Uh, my question is on Eli Lilly. Um, I'm up 16% over the last couple of months, and I'd like to know um, if it's time to take some chips off the table. Now, Dave Ford, Ricks is the real
0: deal. I mean, the tomorrow. stock was up a lot today. I totally get that. I, I know I'm probably being greedy with Lilly, but Dave Ricks is so good. You need a pharmaceutical. They are great, uh, and I think that they're gonna, the stock's going to keep going higher. Sure, there could be an air pocket, but all I would do is pound the table if you got one. Thank you. How about Craig in California? Craig. Is this Jimbo? You bet it is, partner. What's up?
1: Yeah, it's the Ski Daddy Swami of the stock
0: market. You it's the betcha. games. You betcha, also known as Jimmy Chill. What's up? Uh I've got a have uh, got a stock name. I've got a question for you. Uh been following this about ten years, keeps rocketing higher and higher and higher. Big name, nobody on the streets talking about. Uh I'm wondering, uh how high can the stock go? What kind of multiples should be placed on? Um, as one of the quickest and easiest ways to find out if you've been a victim of identity theft is by doing a quick credit check. Does this bode well for Fair Isaac, FICO? Fair, look, Fair Isaac's like it's like Kleenex, right? FICO is like Kleenex. It's just part of our society. And that's why this stock can keep going higher. Uh, I'm a believer in fintech. I'm a believer in Fair Isaac. Uh, it's just, it's kind of like owning S&P. There's just certain companies that are just fantastic to own. And uh, MSCI, Fair Isaac's one of them. You got a good one there. All right. Now, tread carefully going into earnings season just because I'm a little concerned. I mean, think about in 100 in the high 130s. and It used to be much, much lower. Citi just had a very big run. Goldman's had a run off of 180. or like,
4: I'm a little nervous.
0: Not a bad time to take some profits. On oh, Man Money Tonight, what could the recent geopolitical tensions with Iran need for the oil market? I'm talking to CEO of Parsley Energy. Find out. Sweet spot. Permian. Then the big tech names are once again surging. But what's behind the move? I'm offering uh, an alternative take. And we're almost done with a busy week. But before we wrap up, I'm checking back in on one of the major storylines of the week, CES2020. Find out what's next when it comes to the self-driving cars that I know you care about so much with the CEO of Mobilize. So stay with Kramer.
1: Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com. Or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com.
0: Jeans, they're an American staple. No article of clothing is more closely linked to our nation's history. Today, denim's a $90 billion industry, but that success didn't come easy. Regular viewers know that I've become very skeptical about the oil industry here. Even the Iran standoff wasn't enough to give the price of crude more than a modest bump because we have so much untapped supply here in the U.S. And that's why oil service plays like Core Labs are struggling. But I could be wrong. Some of the oil producers did very well in the fourth quarter. And if the economy continues to improve, well, that could potentially lead to higher demand for energy. And that's why tonight I want to get a better read on the entire industry as well as a fantastic company It's called Parsley Energy and Exploration production company, which I've been watching since it came public. It's a pure play on the Permian Basin, the oil-rich region of Texas that's transformed the entire industry. Just today, the company closed on its acquisition of Jagged Peak Energy. They see a bright future for oil because they believe American producers will be more disciplined about bringing on new supply. So let's check in with Matt Gallagher, who's the president and CEO of Parsley Energy, learn more about his deal and where he sees the industry heading. Wow, Mr. Gallagher, welcome to Mad Money.
2: Well, Jim, thanks for having me. Long time listener, first time interview, so I'm really happy to be here.
0: <laughs> that's, thank you for listening for a long time. I have been a huge fan of your company, your founder, and your vision. But I want others to know what it is, because I think that if people really want to play the pure part of American oil boom, it's parsley.
2: Well, that's right, and we're right in the core of the Permian Basin We've been built from scratch as an unconventional shale player. We started drilling in 2009. We've seen the whole whole horizontal evolution unfold in front of us, and we've been a part of it. And we're excited to close on our acquisition today, just a natural fit for Parsley Energy.
0: Were you surprised at all with the increased tensions with Iran that we didn't have more of a move in oil?
2: Well, actually, I, I think that we're a part of the reduced impact of that. So there were not lines around the gas pumps. We were able to keep the prices low because of this resource renaissance that we've been a part of as the shale producers. So you did not see that huge jump in pricing. And really, uh, this, this uh, growth in production that we've been able to deliver has, has helped insulate those impacts of geopolitical tension. So we're actually proud to be a part of that.
0: Or let's talk about the uber growth of production, the jagged peak energy acquisition, because you're making a statement and you're making a statement that your stock should be used to buy really good properties that can continue to produce a lot of oil.
2: Well, that's right. It's a natural fit. It's right next door to us. It's actually supportive to our free cash flow growth. And when I talk about this resource renaissance, uh, it's been a five year expansion phase that's larger than anybody ever thought on the production growth. But what we need to do as shale leaders is we need to convert to a financial renaissance, and we have to deliver returns to our shareholders. So we've demonstrated that there's a tremendous resource in the ground right here in the United States, and now we need to turn that into competitive businesses.
0: But, Matt, what happens if the other guys don't have discipline? Because very, at various times in the industry, the companies have been conservative and, and I'd say, uh, aren't willing to... Uh, borrow too much, and then other times they just go way over their skis. Does it matter what other guys do for Parsley?
2: Well, I think on a broad scale, yes. Uh, I think we're really excited to see the industry as a whole pull in their CapEx spending. You did not see an immediate rebound coming into 2020 in capital programs. Uh, Parsley specifically is trying to deliver a more consistent capital program over the course of five years, a decade. We're already in a very volatile industry. We want to take the business model and de-risk it and deliver a standard business model year in and year out. Well, people so have to if everybody were to react.
0: Well, I was going to say, your deck describes that, and it's very unconventional because most companies are trying to show how they're going to grow no matter what. But you are the opposite in your deck.
2: Well, that's right, and when you look at uh, how we're built, we're built out of very highly talented engineers and geologists, hardworking people out in the field. Over Over the past decades, we were built to recover resources, and now we've done that in spades, and we just have to turn this into high margin, consistent margin, and growing cash flow uh, returns to investors.
0: You're unconventional in another way. When you look at your uh, deck, and I've got it in front of me, you talk about uh, environmental, social, and governance. Even though you're an oil company, some people would say that's counterintuitive. You are a, it's a spoiler of the environment. That's not the way you fit into the picture, is it?
2: No, I appreciate you catching it that way, and it's very important to us. And a lot of people say, you know, I'm a millennial or I'm on the the edge of millennials. And we hear these guys ask about the importance of social impacts to the companies. And when I hear millennials and and people around this great city of Austin saying the importance of, of social and environmental impact, I think, you know what, it's about time. And we need to take a leadership stance, all the oil and gas operators, especially the domestic operators, really have a leg up in how we do business. We like to hold things to the highest standards. We, we invest in our communities. Uh, we operate in and around the environments we live in, and we want to protect them to the best of our abilities. So we need to be accountable, and we need to be transparent, and we need to get better over time. So we put this baseline report out there as an inaugural report, and we're going to get better over time. We're looking forward to it.
0: And that includes uh, not reckless flaring, which a lot of people are very worried about who care about the environment.
2: Flaring is a very hot topic, and we're, we pride ourselves in not hooking up wells and the long-term planning needed ahead of time to reduce flaring. In fact, we flare well under 5%, 2% last year, um, and we have to stay accountable on that front. There's some operators in the Permian Basin flare 20 to 30%, and that's unacceptable. Uh, we have to do, as a group, whether uh, we self-regulate or get the help, of uh, higher power to regulate. We need to get that percentage well below 5%.
0: Well, congratulations for, for the company that you guys have built. It's remarkable, done in a, very, uh, in a very short time, but it's the pure play with great financial strictures of which I'm not used to seeing from a lot of the oil companies, and certainly nothing from an oil company about environmental, social, and governance. Thank you so much. Matt Gallagher, good to see you, sir. Great to see you, Jim. Thank you. All right, Matt, uh, he's the president CEO of Parsley Energy P. Hey, millennials, if you feel like you act on an oil stock, this is really the only one I can recommend. Man Bunny's back after the break. Where are all the politicians who spent most of last year hectoring the big tech companies? Absent, that's where. Not long ago, the whole healthcare cohort caught fire. Remember that? United Healthcare, Humana, the drug stocks. Extraordinary move. And while it's stalled right now, it's not being repealed. What happened then? Well, first and foremost, Elizabeth Warren's candidacy seemed to have peaked. It's not clear where her prospects went, but we know Wall Street was terrified of a Warren presidency. And now they're much less afraid. I think some of that's because she moderated her position on healthcare, but mostly it's because of her decline in the polls. Either way, Warren simply disappeared as an opponent of the health care industry and the whole group caught fire. Now we're seeing a similar surge in the stocks of big tech companies like Facebook and Alphabet that leading Democrats like Warren spent last year hammering. There's a lot less fear that the government might break up Google or or Amazon or Facebook. And and that's why I think this may be the same kind of move we saw in healthcare A few months ago, Wall Street was terrified of Warren and Bernie Sanders. It seemed like nearly the whole Democratic field had taken a major anti-business turn. But I told you at the time, those worries are going to be overblown. Sure enough, now we're seeing a candidate like Mayor Pete. He's gaining steam. He's widely viewed as a good friend of Silicon Valley. If he does well in Iowa, big tech could be in the sweet spot. That said, it's not just about the presidential election. As it turns out, if you actually break up Facebook, Google or Amazon, we learn it could actually be terrific for their stocks. We got a bunch of research reports showing these companies might be worth a heck of a lot more if they separate their parts into separate entities some of the parts. SOTP. i, I, I got to tell you, who wouldn't want to own a share of Amazon web service? Instagram. Wouldn't you want that? But then, just when investors were starting to get comfortable with that idea, Warren's candidacy cooled a bit, and we stopped worrying about big tech breakups. Now we can turn to the fundamentals, and those are very robust, and therefore the stocks have roared. Only Amazon's been tepid of late, and I think that's because they're seeing more competition on the cloud infrastructure front from Microsoft Azure, and yes, Google Cloud Services. Meanwhile, big tech's gotten a lot smarter about maintaining a more positive public image. These companies know they need to be wary. Nary a day goes by without some soothing words from Mark Zuckerberg. Alphabet recognizes that state attorneys general make it life difficult, so they got to be careful. Amazon isn't beating its chest as much as it's gotten much more subtle ever since a group of New York legislators shot down their plan to build a big taxpayer-subsidized new headquarters in Queens. What else? I think a lot of this may be a kind of a side benefit from impeachment because it's become such a distraction for the Democrats in Congress. They, they can't focus on anything else. As long as these big tech companies keep their noses clean and don't make any more major acquisitions. I, I bet Google's Fitbit purchase will be the last one. Then we can focus on the fundies. And right now, the fundamentals seem phenomenal. You take political worries off the table. And big tech can go much higher. And at least for the moment, they look like they are off the table. Let's go to Tony in New York, please, Tony. Hey, Jim. Tony calling from S. How are you? Tony calling from Massapequa, New York. All righty. Uh, thank you for everything you do for the small investor. We thank really you, buddy. Appreciate it. Thank you. I'm calling about. I'm a long, long owner of Cisco Systems, the great run company. Chuck Robbins has a lot of integrity. I completely money agree. money in
4: the bank, and they have a good dividend,
2: but they seem to Tony, just Tony
0: people are too bearish on Cisco. Cisco is a 5G, but on the enterprise side, that may not be until 2021. But how could you possibly sell it now when they have such momentum in that business? Others are not that good. But I think that, as you said, Chuck Robbins knows what he's doing. He'll fix it. Ah. Own Cisco. Bruce in Wisconsin. Bruce.
2: Hey, Jim, good afternoon. Good, yeah. you. good, Booyah goes out from Madison, Wisconsin. Hey, I'm a first time caller tonight, okay. oh, I've been an Action Express or Action Alerts member since November.
3: Thank and you. And I got to
2: tell you that I'm so glad I joined the group. Oh, I, thank I you. We had a good not.
0: call this week. Thank you so much. Okay. Glad you're a member of the thank club. You. What's thanks, going thanks.
2: on? Thanks for all your work. Anyway, thank tonight you. I'm going to ask you about comments on Seagate technology. Uh, earnings are out February 4th, and since last earnings, it's been in a very narrow trading range. Right. Uh, do you think it's uh I, I think it'll be okay,
0: Bruce, and thank you for the kind comments, but you know what? I think that Western Digital is the better one because they have NAND, they have Flash, and they're doing quite well. So I would swap into that one. Let's go to um, Prague in Texas, Prague.
1: Hey, Jim, I'm calling about Zoom, ticker ZM. Uh, it was IPO earlier this year, and it skyrocketed. I bought some shares in middle of October. <laughs> right. I'm just w- wondering where this is going, where it's headed.
0: I think you got to own this for the long term because, boy, are they ever good! I mean, we talked about Cisco earlier. Cisco's got to try to go up against them, but Zoom is just a remarkable company. It is high valued, but it can go higher. It's not beyond me. That can still go higher. Anyway, big tech is on a tear. They keep their noses clean. I think that care can continue. Much more mad money. Does the road ahead look promising for Intel's mobile eye? I'm sitting down with the CEO to find out. Then before I head out to the West Coast next week, I'm getting a sneak peek into one of the most essential conferences in the healthcare industry. It's taking place while I'm there. You don't want to miss my preview. And all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of the Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer.
1: Monday, Kick off the trading day with Squawk on the Street. Live from Post 9 at the NYSE. Who wears black shoes
0: with an olive suit? It's a, first of all, it's a Brioni suit. It's worth a lot more than you. I, I mean, your your whatever outfit. Anyway, I don't want to get too... F- no, let's not get too
3: far away here. Can you stop focusing on the lack of tie? Fine, I'm going to start having to wear a tie on Fridays. Great.
1: It all starts at 9 a.m. Eastern.
0: That CES, formerly known as the Consumer Electronics Show, they don't call it that anymore, has wrapped up. I want to circle back to a company that's at the forefront of one of the hottest trends in tech. I'm talking about Mobileye, the Intel subsidiary that makes advanced driver assistance systems. When you hear autonomous driving, you got to think Mobileye. Now, roughly three years ago, this company was acquired by Intel, and it's become a much-needed growth engine within the gigantic semiconductor company. You can't invest in Mobileye directly, but these guys have a fabulous understanding of what I expect will be one of the greatest growth stories of the next decade, if not beyond. So let's check in with Professor Amnon Shashua. He is the co-founder, president, and CEO of Mobileye to learn more about the future of autonomous driving. Professor Shashua, welcome to Mad Money. Good to see you, sir. Good to see you, Jim. Thank you so much. Uh, one thing I think, uh, just to get started, right to the issue: people don't think, um, unless it's car with no driver, they think there's nothing there. You have a billion dollars in sales. Clearly, it's bigger than just a car without a driver.
3: It's a revolution. No, it's a revolution in a number of ways. First, it's a revolution in saving lives. You know, if more cars will be autonomous, more lives will be, will be saved. A computer will do a better job than, uh, than a human, eventually. Second, it's a revolution of all what we know about transportation about the, the cost per mile that today is, is, is lowest when you own a car, but in the future, it will be lowest if you have a robotaxi and be lower if you have an autonomous uh, car. It will even rival the cost of uh, public transportation. So all that we know about transportation will change if we can make it work.
0: Israel's well ahead of the United States in drivers.
3: I, I don't think that it, it's a competition between states. Uh, I think the number of companies that can pull it through create the technology of autonomous car is going to be a handful of companies. Small number. Uh, where they are located geographically today in this global world <laughs> doesn't really matter.
0: Would we ever uh, start cars that are driven by people if we were to start over again? Wouldn't we always want it to be driven by machines and not people?
3: It makes a lot of sense to be driven by, uh, uh, by machines. Uh, the only problem is that you know, automating the concept of driving is so difficult Yet, you know, the public doesn't, the, doesn't understand how difficult it is. public understands that sending a rocket and, and landing on the moon is very, very difficult. But driving is easy. We all drive. It, it's kind of a natural thing. You know, we take some few driving lessons, but it's, a very, it's very natural. But when you think about the technology... And all what you need to do in order to put such a machine on the road and make sure that it's safe, it's, it's mind-blowing.
0: Now, we should back up to do all the, talk about some of the incredibly cool things that you're up to for uh, advanced driver assistance systems. Because there's a lot more to this than just one day having a, a car without a
3: driver. So, we're looking at a spectrum. So, the spectrum starts from driving assist, which is called ADAS, Advanced right. Driving Assist, going up to more advanced, it's called Level 2 uh, Plus where it's conditional autonomy so the driver is responsible but under certain conditions you can let go for certain periods of time it's called conditional autonomy up to autonomous driving which comes in two phases first phase is robotaxi so you don't go and buy such a vehicle there's an operator who owns a fleet of of uh, autonomous vehicles and and use them for ride hailing or ride sharing and then the holy grail is where you and i can go and purchase a car at first it's going to be a premium car of course but purchase a car and then at the push of a button, you can sit in the back seat, and it will take you to wherever you want to go.
0: Does BMW have that car
3: right now? Nobody has such a car right now. But they do have conditional autonomy cars, okay. right? But, you know, robotaxis is not that, not that far away. Uh, we are targeting early 2022. Actually, we have been saying so from 2016. Now, people
0: have told me that it's been pushed back to 2025.
3: It's not true. Uh, so maybe they we're talking about consumer AV, okay. the, last, the last stage in which okay. you and I can buy can buy a car. Uh, there, are lots, uh, there are a number of good reasons why you want to start with robotaxi rather than jump directly to a consumer. Uh, the first is, is the regulatory front. Okay. It's much easier to uh, regulate an operator that operates a fleet of such uh, vehicles because then you have reporting responsibilities, you have back office, you have teleoperation, right. things right. that you cannot put on a consumer. Second one... Uh, uh, would be the cost. Right. Now, when you think about the cost of the technology, the self-driving system, today it's somewhere between 15 to $40,000 per car. Sensors, compute, mm-hmm. cables, everything. That's okay for a robotaxi. It's not okay for a consumer. But if you bring it down to about $5,000, which we believe we can do to 2025, really? then it starts becoming interesting at the consumer level you No. Know, $5,000 cost $15,000 to the driver you buy a premium vehicle for $100,000 $15,000 st- sounds reasonable for such a, a huge value and then later it, of course it will trickle down to more and less and less uh, premium segment
0: you're much more bullish on this than most people i talk to who have kind of just said cuz we had a couple accidents been set back and there aren't we, it'll take so many simulations to get to where we have to be in multiple years Th-
3: this is here now this is here around the corner. Domino's
0: can have a robo. You're telling me, mean, because that's what Domino's wants to do. You're telling me that there's going to be robo taxis within the next two or three years.
3: There will be a robo. If you build it right, there will be robo taxis. And, and Mobilite builds it right.
0: I'm going to leave it there because that makes me feel good. It's been a tough week. <laughs> that's the best news I've heard. Okay, that's, that's Professor Amnon Shashua, and he is the president and CEO of Boboai, which is a division of Intel. And wow, I mean, a lot of people are skeptical. I like what you were just say. Man, buddy's back after the break. <laughs> it is time to jump the lighting round. <laughs> and then the lighting round is over. Are you ready, ski? Guys, yeah, I'm in the lighting round. i are start with Lou in Massachusetts. Lou. Hey, Jimmy, baby, you're the best, man. I love you, man. Oh, thank you for the kudos. Uh, What's happening? I'm talking I'm thinking about IGNX. I just bought a little position in that. I'm thinking about uh, taking the truck back and loading it no, up. No, think, no, no. It's a totally speculative situation. Don't put even more than one I, 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 A small percentage of your assets in it. It's so have got virus therapy, but it's unproven, unproven, unproven. And so you got to be small. Let's go to Albert Illinois. Albert. Uh, Hi, Dr. Kramer. Yes. First of all, I'm sending you unlimited love, and thanks for the unlimited love to all of us and to the whole board. My uh, ticker is LPI, Laredo Petroleum, and I heard actually it's going to be a buyout. Yeah, I'm not a fan of Laredo. I'm not a fan of the balance sheet. I'm not a fan of of the industry right now, so I'm going to have to go against that one. Parsley is better, by the way, if you have to be in it. Let's go to Gary in Texas. Gary.
2: Happy New Year, Jim.
0: Happy New Year to you, Gary.
2: Listen, ninety-six percent of my portfolio is in mutual funds. Right. and right. Four percent in individual stocks. My main question today is about MKSI. I bought some at seventy-four in two thousand eighteen, and Ooh. more at seventy in two thousand nineteen. I sold twenty-five percent of my position in October of nineteen. For 109 Perfect. I think the company has a lot more room to run, but should I take a little no, more... No, no, I'm in total to agreement with you. I like
0: your strategy. You're doing it just right. That's precisely what I would be saying. Sell so 25 let the rest run. I mean, this is a high-tech instrument company. It does a lot of good stuff in display, storage device. I think it's good. Let the rest run. Let's go to Ryan in Florida. Ryan. Jim. Jimmy Chill.
1: Thanks for taking my Jimmy call, Jill buddy. Show. Jimmy Chill is here.
0: Jimmy Chill is here.
1: Go ahead. <laughs>
2: Okay, I have a question about one of the leaders in advanced medical genetic testing. Early next week, Invitae is going to release preliminary Q4 results plus 2020 guidance at the JP Morgan Healthcare yes. Conference. I'll be looking for reacceleration of revenue growth. By the way, short seller Citron recently converted and is now a buyer. Oh, but- really? I, I don't, sure. you know, look, yeah. I, have to tell you,
0: I like it. I mean, like, I'm doing that 23andMe thing. This is good. You need these companies. They do cancer screening, genetic screening. That allows you to be able to do immunotherapy. I think you've got a winner, and I support it. Let's go to Harlan in Washington. Harlan!
1: Yes, Jim. That TG Therapeutics, boy, that thing's a... You know, it finally yeah, worked. Like We've been behind Mike out. Weiss
0: forever, and a lot of people said, why do you behind him? And I said, no, because it's real. It's real. They'll be out there at the JP Morgan Conference, and we'll find out more. They did a, the uh, public offering. It keeps going higher. But Mike, come back on the show. I believed in you when no one else did. Okay, there you go. Let's go to Perth. Perth in California. Pirith. Yeah, hi, Jim. How are you? I'm good. How about you? Um, i was just wondering about this one stock. If I should buy, hold, or sell more? I got in around 190. The stock is called Vertex (VRTX). Okay, remember we don't care where, where a stock came from. We care where it's going to. But are you in a winner? This is uh, cystic fibrosis. A terrible, terrible illness. And these guys have the best thing out there. I think the stock is undervalued. I think it can go up a lot. Let's go to Jerry in California, please, Jerry. Floather Jim, first-time caller. All right. Got a question in reference to KMI, Kinder Morgan? Well, look, I'm it's a got four percent yield. It's fine. I mean, I'm you know, this boy Rich Kinder, keeps buying stock left and right. Uh, if you have to own a pipeline company, is it fifty-two week high? It's not bad. I just don't think you have to own these, but it's not bad. How about that? And that's because the industry itself, I'm not. I don't really care for it. Uh, let's go to Cliff in New York, Cliff.
2: Good evening, Mr. Kramer. Hi. Tell me. Can you tell me uh, about Ventus? Simple BTR is a buy. I struggle. The role. I
0: struggle. I think Deb Cafaro's, uh terrific, but that last quarter was not good. The guidance wasn't good. And you know what? It's not about friends. It's about it's about money. And that company's not doing as well as I would like. And the prospects are not as good as I think in uh, in that kind of uh, long term long term nursing facilities. and Oh, boy, it's a tough one because I, I dip so much. But it's, that was a disappointing last quarter, that plain and simple. Let's go to Kyle in Pennsylvania. Kyle.
3: Hey, Mr. Kramer, how you
0: doing? I am good. I am good. How are hey, you? Uh, good. I just want to say thank you first for inspiring the younger generation, including myself. That's what I want. To the stock market. Everyone has given up on you guys except for me. I know that's what you want. You want information and teaching. So we do it. How can I help? Well, Oh, geez, we're going to have to cut it short. I'm sorry. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round.
1: The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade.
0: Judgment-free ethos. The tech stocks say I'm wrong. The dividend stocks say I'm wrong. The slowdown stocks say I'm wrong. That's a whole lot of wrong to take in. Remember, on Wall Street, bald is beautiful. Hair's bad. Well, I gotta go to Costco. Someone told, just tweeted me that Brooklyn has great locks. i have to go to Russell Daughters. I mean, we'll go to Brooklyn. There's uh, simply oil, oil everywhere, and not a drop in drill.
2: I'm gonna
0: fight for Man of the Don't forget, we have a train to catch. Oh, we're going, We're going to Washington. It is time! It's over the light rail. Yes. Yes. Next week, we're heading out to San Francisco, not not for Silicon Valley but for the J.P. Morgan Healthcare Conference, which is among the biggest events of the year for the industry, if not any industry. I'm going to be sitting down with some of the biggest names in the space, including Bristol Myers, CVS, GlaxoSmithKline, Zoetis, and many others. you got to stay tuned. But before we go, I've got to make sure you've got the right mindset. There are over 450 companies presenting this year, so you need to stay focused. And that's why tonight we're talking, we got to take a closer look ahead of the conference with one of the event's hosts, and that's Lisa Gill. She's the fabulous managing director at J.P. Morgan, who's their fantastic head of Healthcare Technology and Distribution Research. Ms. Gill, welcome back to Mad Money. Great Great to see you, Lisa. Thank Thank you so 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 much for for having me. me. Really great to have you back. Lisa, you like to have themes. This theme (laughs) is one that I think that you are pioneering. It's the year of the consumer. Explain it to us.
4: Yeah, so I think that as we think about healthcare going forward, you and I are paying a lot more out of pocket for those costs. We're trying to figure out how we want it, where we want it, what we want to pay for it. And so we think the consumer, we thought that last year that the consumer would be important. But every year that goes by, it's increasingly becoming a bigger aspect of what we have to pay out of pocket. High deductible health plans continue to grow and the out of pocket costs continue to grow.
0: Okay, so I hear that and I say to myself, I want to play that theme, uh, which is obviously a multi-year theme. And I want to buy a growth stock that matches that. What should I do?
4: It's called Teladoc. <laughs> when we think about Teladoc, uh, you know, a lot of times you and I've had conversations yeah. about where the price of the stock is. It's really hard to value these companies that are disruptive to healthcare right. and really disrupting the primary care model, giving people healthcare where they want it, when they want it. Another disruptive name, in my opinion, even though it's an old name, is CVS. I think CVS is really recreating themselves. Uh, we love the healthcare hub, the idea of the hub getting health care where you need it, low-cost, high-quality. Uh, so those are some of the names that we really think are going to change the way healthcare is delivered.
0: i the spot because when CVS dropped to 50, uh, 54, I called Lisa and said, I, I've never <laughs> been this wrong. I can't be this wrong. I'm not this wrong. And you said you got to stick by it because Larry Merlot's got a vision. And the vision's co- uh, coming out. It's, uh, it's it coming is. true.
4: It is. It's starting to come to fruition. And I think when I was here last year, we were super excited about the story. Yeah. And... I believe that you and I have had conversations where I said, if I could be wrong, what would it be? And it would be that I was too early around right. my excitement in the story because these things, transformations take more time. Right. And so that's what I would say around CVS is it's taken time. But you look at the progression of what they've been able to do each and every quarter this year, putting up better than expected numbers throughout the year. Should be able to do close to $7 this year, right. which isn't really all that far off from where we started at seven twenty, and then lowered our numbers and getting back there again. But I think that they have the momentum. I think that Aetna's had a good selling right. season. We know about the losses on the PBM side. Right. We're seeing that the, the pull through, right, right. The, the PBM side of the business, pharmacy benefit side. Uh, we're seeing the pull through into the stores. We hear about the health hubs. And I know you're going to talk to Larry next you week. Bet. Um, and I'm sure he's going to be excited to talk to you about the health hubs but we're we're seeing real meaningful difference for CVS to pull those patients into their store for people to really think about CVS as a destination for health.
0: Well, That's going to be very important we talk next week cuz Walgreens put a bad quarter this week and people are They did. They're just different. They're 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 just not the same animal.
4: They are not, unfortunately. And I think that um, for a long time we really believed that Walgreens was going to be able to pull something out here through a partnership no. but it's what it's proven is that Partnerships do not work as well as actually owning the assets. And unfortunately, right. in healthcare, I think you have to have those assets. And Walgreens, I, it, they're in a difficult position. Let's be honest, when you think about retail and you think about drug retail, right. there's still nearly 70,000 places to pick up a prescription. Yeah. And so what does that do? That continues to compress your margin. And how do you improve your margin? You have to have incremental services like CBS right. does.
0: Do you think that there's uh it can duplicate the excitement of last year where you actually had blockbuster murders announced at
4: the conference? Well, I mean You had Glaxo. I'm sorry. You had uh, bristol Meyer. Yes, you had Glaxo. You had Bristol-Myers. Bristol-Myers and Celgene will kick off the conference. Which is so great. You know, I'm a believer. Uh, You know, I think in services, uh, it's hard to see any kind of really big blockbuster Uh, kinds of things. Um, You know, I I think maybe you could have an announcement with McKesson um, around the change transaction. Uh, There's still the opportunity for them to spin or potentially to, to do some kind of stock split um, okay. around that transaction. So that could come out next week and could be exciting. Uh, you could see little tuck-in acquisitions. Okay. Uh, but I don't see anything big on the services side.
0: All right, well, one, one last thing. that uh, An event occurred, there's a news heard this week. It was merely buried because of all the world and negativity in the world. But American Cancer Society yeah. talked about a, a, the largest one-year drop ever. <laughs> I mean, is this the consumer getting smart, or is it just people not smoking as much? Or all these immunotherapy things that you always talk about, are really coming true? I
4: think it's all those things. I, I think, okay. one, um, I recently saw a quote that if you think wellness is too expensive, try illness. And so if you think about this, we're all a lot more focused on how much it costs to stay well, right. not smoking, thinking about how, our, you know, how we can take better care of ourselves. Right. But also, I mean, you think about all the products that have come to market in the last few years. I think that they really are starting to work. Now the question is, how is our healthcare system going to pay for them?
0: Well, I hope to learn a lot about that next week. If you're running, <laughs> running a panel with CMS. It should really uh, help us yes. figure that out. Yes, so
4: that, that's the other thing. Um, Seema Verma will be there on all Wednesday right. as a keynote. I'm very much looking forward to meeting her and, and spending time and hearing about what CMS is going to do.
0: All right. Well, you do a great job. Thank you for Thank uh, you. keeping all of us, uh, us up on, on situations. And CBS is one of the greatest buys ever, by the way. That's Lisa Gill, J.P. Morgan, Healthcare Tech and Distribution Us, You're the consumer. Well, I think it's going to be the decade of the consumer because we're figuring out we're paying for it. Kramer all week I've been talking about resiliency and complacency and when the needle gets too close to complacency I get more negative negative. and I detected a lot of complacency in the last two days as we kept going up on the same information so look it's okay to take some profits, I like I said, there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise, you I'll find it just for you, right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer, and I will see you Monday.